Welcome to more about officership, an open and honest discussion about officership in Australia. As we move towards One Australia Territory, host Captain Matt Rees is joined by officers from across the country to discuss the challenges and rewards of being an officer today. Well, this week we are joined by lieutenants, if you don't mind, uh, Gavin and Jody Jones, who sort of hail from South Australia and moved to the college two years ago, freshly commissioned. So it's great to have you here. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things for the podcast is we love to hear people's stories, so particularly the pathway into ministry. Um, so, Jody, let's go with you. Not Let's stop at the pathway part, but let's just hear a little bit about who you are. Now, actually, before we do that, you're going to Kalgoorlie in WA. So if anyone in WA is listening from Kalgoorlie, these are your officers. So here we go. Jody, sell yourself. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, and then we'll we'll dig a little deeper in a moment. Go. Oh, wow. What a line. Okay. Sell myself. Um, I actually don't know how to do that very well. I think I'm pretty modest. Okay. So right. I don't do that very well. And stop laughing, Gavin. <laughs> It is hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I understand the, oh, the struggle. Perfectionism, strange you should say that, yeah. is something I think college has helped beat out of me. Oh, really? It so is. So when you were growing up, were you a perfectionist? Yes. Okay. Very much so. Did people tell you that or did you just know? They didn't tell me, but I did well at school. I did well at most things I attempted to do. Yep. And so then I got into the habit of expecting myself to do well. And if I didn't, yeah. I um, would beat myself up pretty badly about it. Okay. So tell us, where, where were you born? Let's let's hear a bit about you. Okay. Kalgoor- so I- Kalgoorlie is wanting to know. <laughs> so for Kalgoorlie and everyone else who's listening, I am West Australian. Hey. I was born in Subiaco. Uh, right. Okay. So I'm really excited to be going back west. And I know Melbourneites think Kalgoorlie is nowhere near Perth, but it's a heck of a lot closer than Melbourne is. Yeah, that's true. And what did you do? You went, obviously went to school, I'm assuming. I did. What did you do when you finished school? What was your employment? Well, first of all, when I finished school, I began a teacher's degree, a teaching degree. But partway through that, I decided I really wanted to be married more than I wanted to be a teacher. Okay. So I deferred my studies yeah. and left and... And went manhunting or what happened? No, 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 no. Gavin was there. Okay. Distracting me from my studies. <laughs> and yep. um, before we started our family, I was a manager for Coles. Okay. So I've had a bit of retail background. Over the years, I've worked in a hospital pathology lab. Yeah. And I have recently gone back and finished my teacher degree. Okay. If you were going to if you're going to teach like at a primary school, would it be high school or primary school? No, oh, like would, at a, sorry, at any school, would you high, high school, primary school? When I started my degree, it was going to be high school, but when I went back after lots of years and after raising our family, yeah. I went back to primary school. Don't you think kids can be really, you know, a challenge? Kids can. Okay, but I experienced. I got to see what a difference it makes when there's a positive mentor in kids' lives, when they know someone believes in them. Okay. And um, for some kids, sadly, school is where they find that. Yep. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I take your rebuke. Now, Gavin, what about you? What, what's your story? 
You're from WA too? Yes, uh, Fremantle, born and bred, so Frio kid. Okay. Yes. And worked in, was it mines? No. No. Um, I left school year 11, had enough. Uh, went deep sea trawling. As you do. Hmm. Okay. And did you catch anything? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I caught JD. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, keep going. Yep. Uh, no, I used to fish off um, Port Hedland, Darwin, Queensland yeah. and Indonesia. Okay. So. Right. So, and you've got kids? Yes. And two. you have grandkids? Yes, and so we do. grandparents. So let me ask you a question. I need to be very delicate about this because I understand the sensitive nature of it. Uh, you are mature people. Some people think we are. And you obviously involved in the salvos. You, know, you came to college from Adelaide. You were working for the army, I, I think. That's, I was. Yep. I was a children and youth ministry assistant. Before that, I was an admin assistant. Yeah, so a teacher gully and Gawler. Yes. Cool. And what were you doing, Gavin? Uh, mechanical fitter. Yeah, okay. Right. And then somehow, voila, you end up at the college. Like, tell us how that happened and... Not, not, I'm not saying that because you're mature, you shouldn't have come to college, but there would have been lots of things that you wrestle with. And one of the things with the podcast is that people listen who are exploring ministry who are sort of 18 and people who are over 50 exploring ministry too, looking at their options. So you, you could speak into that. Okay. So I had in my core, I had people telling me that God had work for me to do and I spent a lot of time and energy arguing with them because I didn't believe them and I didn't believe that I was good enough, holy enough, knowledgeable enough to know everything that I thought God would want me to know. So I, at the time, was a school chaplain. Well, I became a school chaplain and that was part of my journey because as a school chaplain in a government school, you're very tongue-tied with what you can and can't say about God. And during that time, what I learned was I was able to love people and through loving people in very practical ways, I was able to share the love of Jesus with them. And after spending my first year in that role, I realised that God was using me and that even though I couldn't remember my scriptures and I couldn't necessarily remember who begat, who begat, who begat, who, um, God was still someone, using me. Someone begetted. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, God was using me and I was seeing lives transformed just because people were able to experience the love of Jesus. Yeah. And so I started to believe maybe God could use me. And so I decided to go back and finish my teacher training with the idea that I would minister through my secular employment. And so I had lots of arguments with God and with my friends saying, I can minister in my secular employment. Look, I found this book that even says it, and it's called When There's No Burning Bush. It was a fabulous book. Do you know the author? No. Okay. But it was a whole $4.95 from Kurong. Thanks for (laughs) referencing a book we know nothing about. Thank you. It's called When There's No Burning Bush. Right. And one of my arguments with my friend was... If God is calling me, why doesn't he give me a burning bush like he did for Moses? That was a story I could remember. It was a story that I thought God needs to make this a whole lot more obvious for me. Sort if of he resonated wants me. with you? It did. Yep. Um, and so I went back and completed my teaching studies. But while I was doing that, I was really active in my core. 
And just God kept placing me in positions where I was able to journey with people. I had the privilege of journeying with people. And I just got to love people. And I went, if this is what ministry is, I can do this. (laughs) And friends are going, this is what it is. You've just got to love God's people and let them see God. And gradually I thought, yes, maybe I can do this. But God's not calling me to do it on my own. I never believed that God was calling me. But at the time, I was the only Christian in our house. Right. And um, We're coming to you. You see what's happening, Gavin? We're coming to you. (laughs) And so we had had the discussion, Gavin and I had had the discussion, and he said if I wanted to follow the call to ministry, he would support me. Um, But that wasn't an option at the time for me being the only Christian in our house to pursue college at that time. So this this is part of the story behind the story, which I am fascinated by. So without stating the obvious, you obviously encountered Jesus and you're now here. And if if you didn't, it's pretty awkward, <laughs> but but you did. <laughs> yeah. So did you get saved at a camp or something? I, I, I think I have this recollection of you giving a testimony at a divisional meeting in South Australia. Was that you? That was it me. Was I, you. I, I, so tell, to tell the story. Um, okay, I'll start from the beginning. 2009, I think it was, Jody decided to go back to church and I just followed to keep her happy. Um, I thought, if Jody wants to go to church, that's, haven't got a problem with it. So I went along, sat in the back pew, quite happy to sit there and operate the sound desk. Yep. And then one day, just out of the blue, it all made sense. Really? Yeah. Uh, where was that at? That was at Gawlacore. Gawlacore. Yeah, sitting way down the back, hiding. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just from then on inwards... I got invited to give my testimony at ACH. Yeah, I remember that. I think it was a Good Friday service. Yep. Yep. I was under strict instructions, do not mention that we have to go to college, that I feel I have to go to college because someone was ready for me to be in a padded room at that stage. Yeah. Uh, Because I think that morning I woke up and said to Jody, I know where we have to be and it's not here. It's we have to go to college. Wow. So you're... So it's his fault. Yeah, Okay. So your love of people, and you love people too. I, I watch you. Don't worry, I'm watching. I see what goes on around here. You know, and I – so you, you both do love people and you're both sort of very proactive and that sort of stuff and hands-on and, you know, get involved and stuff. But you could have done that where you were. You could have done that at Gawler. You could have done that at Teacher Gully. There, there's no – can you just – Articulate for us how you go from actually I could do I could do secular employment I could represent Jesus in the workplace to now now I know that that is not the option for me. Do you, Jody? Do you do you recall that? Is that hard to unpack? No, it's not hard. I I started to assess when I was with people. And really start to think about all the people that were telling me, you're going to do amazing things for God. God has got plans for you. God is going to use you in his kingdom. And while I'm arguing with one side of my head, with the other side, I'm thinking, why are they saying that? Why are they? So I started to take notice of myself when I was in those situations, when I was journeying and privileged to share life with people. And in that experience, 
I felt whole. I felt like this is so right that if I don't pursue this, although I can technically do those other things, that is less than what God wants for me. Incomplete. It, it, it is. It's yeah. incomplete. And um, it, it's just some people have said and referred to this as a career choice. And I've said it's not a career choice. I feel like this is what I've been created to do and that if I don't do it, I won't find joy or peace if I go back to teaching, if I go back to being a school chaplain. Because although in those jobs I can still share the love of Jesus, this is where God has directed me. This is where he has shut doors and opened windows or, or just channeled me and this is where I'm complete because I'm following his call. And if I didn't, I have the option not to be doing this, but I don't think I really do have the option if I want to live the life God wants for me. Yeah. It's it sometimes, I mean, there's lots of ways to articulate a calling and, and that sort of stuff, but sometimes you just you just know. Yeah, that's good. Now, Gavin, you love motorbikes. Yep. You and I share. It's probably what we talk about the most is motorbikes. Um. When you're processing this, I think we should go to college. How, how did you do that? How did, like, I obviously got wrangled at the divisional meeting not to say you wanted to go to college. <laughs> um, but did you process, did you just go on the bike, go for a long ride and think, God, is, are, you, are you serious? Is this really what you want from me? Uh, yeah, basically that was it. I used to do a lot of long haul rides. Yeah. So once I'd come to faith, I realised that for me riding a motorbike Gave me quiet time and time to talk to God. You know, we used to argue and fight all the time. We still do. I just don't do it on a motorbike now. Um, well, well, hang on a second. But you will be able to argue on a motorbike when you go to Perth because you, you've hooked one up. Yes. Is this correct? I'm getting one to help build a motorcycle ministry in Kalgoorlie. Very good. Places. Good on you. Um, but, yeah, I used to go for long hauls and have lots of discussions and that, and that's how I processed this going to college caper. Yeah, because yeah, I think everyone... Everyone thinks about it differently. Some people take years to think about it. Some people just like bang, you know, pop up on Good Friday morning and think, actually, guess what? And and Jody's like, this is a great answer to prayer, but please don't say anything. <laughs> just, you know, please, just let's just process it and whatever. Can I ask a, a question? Yes. Can I interrupt? Yeah, go for it. When Gavin said we're meant to go to college, I gave him a very out-of-character response for me. It was one word. Um but at that time or by that time, I had decided in myself that I was going to be a teacher and minister in my teaching job and I was so close to, um, to doing that. I was studying at a Christian college and I was just, yes, this is how I am going to minister. And when Gavin said, we're meant to go to college, I'm going, no, I'm going to be a teacher now. <laughs> so when we came to a candidate weekend, I was really divided because when I taught and when I am in that space with, with young people that I'm teaching, my heart is on fire. My, I, I, I have a burning, I should say I had a burning passion and going, God has put this in my heart. For this time, this is, God's put this in my heart. And so when we were wrestling after that Good Friday announcement by Gavin, um, when we were wrestling about when or if we should come to college, I'm going, I'm meant to be a teacher. I'm loving teaching. I said to God, 
all right, I'm prepared to listen to you. I'm prepared to follow you. But if this is really what you want for me, you have to take this passion for teaching out of my heart. And that was a dangerous prayer because I still had my final three-month prac that I was going to be full-time teaching. And I went into that and the passion had died. God closed the door for me to help make it easier, I think, for me to trust him and believe him, this is where I'm leading you. So um, I have to be, I know to be careful with what I pray. It reminds me of um, the disciples in the boat and Peter says, Jesus, is that you? You know, if it's you, call me and I'll, I'll come. And he says, all right, come. <laughs> and I, and I, every time I read that, I think you just got to be very careful what you pray. You know, um, it's sort of, I mean, I think it, there's not a, a youth event that I haven't been to where I haven't heard that preached or, you know, like so there's a very, you know, part of the, the gospel that's very common, but it's true. If if you want me to come, just say come. And Jesus says, all right, come. And you leave the schooling, the teaching, all that stuff behind and you do, you know, some things. Last weekend, a couple of weekends ago now, we had the privilege um, as part of the college community to participate or to observe really uh, Covenant Day. And um, I just wanted to ask you some questions about Covenant Day. But for those of you who don't know, every officer um, who signs a covenant, this is what they, uh, this is the wording and this is what they sign. I'm going to read it and then we'll chat about it. Called by God to proclaim the gospel of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ as an officer of the Salvation Army. And it goes on to say, I bind myself to him in this solemn covenant to love, trust and serve him supremely all my days, to live to win souls and make their salvation the first purpose of my life, to care for the poor, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, love the unlovable and befriend those who have no friends, to maintain the doctrines and principles of the Salvation Army and by God's grace to prove myself a worthy officer. So on, and then he goes on to say, done in the strength of my Lord and Saviour and in the presence of the territorial commander, dot, dot, dot. So a number of years ago you have this, the passion for teaching is taken and then all of a sudden we're in this room in Sydney and that's what you sign. What? Now I've signed it. I'm, I'm an officer. I've signed it. I, I remember that day. Well, for people who don't, who haven't been through that experience, what was the one thing of the day? Was there something that jumped out at you? Was there something that where sort of God's presence was like, yep, I, I know he's got me and I know this is it. Was there any moment? It was such a, it was a special day. I, I know you guys know that, but it was special to observe it. And I think people, when we talk about the, coming into ministry. It's like get people in, get people in, get people in. But then then people go out. That that bit's that that's that's when the fun starts. That's when we get challenged um, beyond ourselves and that's when it's and not that this not that the two years of residential training is about ourselves, but we go into a you know, Jesus says come and just step out and off we go. Any thoughts? For me... You are going to answer a question before the end of the day. 
Um, so I got to observe Covenant Day last year when last year's um, session signed theirs and it really brought it to me that for me that was going to be the most significant part of my training and that's so I've had a year to think about it when I from watching last year's and so when I got to it this year I had already been preempting it a lot more than the rest of the commissioning because for me this is the day and this is the point where I bind myself to God and I know I'm an officer in the Salvation Army but for me this covenant is between God and I and it's a sacred it's a sacred binding and nothing can separate me from God um and so there wasn't a moment, there wasn't one moment on Covenant Day. I knew from the moment I entered the room where we were going to be doing our signing that this is it and this is between me and God. There was so much going on um, and I know I've just said there wasn't a moment but I, as I'm thinking about it, there was. It was when it actually came time to sign it. And I couldn't sign it. And it wasn't because of any reluctance on my part, but I sort of felt like God was saying, this isn't just the next step in this program of events today. You need to be still and block out everything else and everyone else that's around us. This is you and I. And in that, it's almost as if everything else did fade away. It was just God and I binding ourselves to each other. So it wasn't even just from me. In that moment, God was binding himself to me as well. And then it was done. And it was like, wow. Yeah. What about you, Gav? I don't use as many words as Jody. Um That's all right. Sort of similar sort of thing. Go back to last year. I was doubting whether... I know I said we have to go to college, but up until Covenant Day last year, I was waiting for the knock on the door for Greg to go, you know, it's time to go home, Gav, we made a mistake, you know, you shouldn't really be here. On Covenant Day and commissioning last year, something clicked. Why, why would you say that? I just didn't feel like, I knew I was in the right place, but I didn't feel like I should, It's crazy. I didn't feel like I deserved to be here. I hear okay. all the stories of Salvos. They come from broken backgrounds. They come from here. They come from there. My life's been pretty. It's been pretty cruisy. I've come from middle class family. Yeah, you know, I've had moments, but you know, mum and dad, two kids, sort of thing. So yeah, I just felt like at times I felt like I was a fraud, really, for the Salvos. So oh, okay, right. Yeah, and then, like I said, after Covenant Day and commissioning last year, it all fell into place and I knew, well, it had been confirmed that that doubt just disappeared. And then on the Covenant Day this year when we were in Sydney, it all sort of started in the morning. I wake up and it thought, well, this is it. I'm going to be playing this game for keeps now. It's time to... You weren't, you weren't going to do a runner? No. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested why you think... Sorry, I'm just going back... I'm interested why you think you're going to get that knock on the door. And I don't know whether those knock on the doors actually happen, by the way. <laughs> but I, because I think, 
Um, I'm well aware you probably don't care what I think, but I'm going to tell you what I think, that um, people that God calls, and he calls all sorts of people from all sorts of background, the chatty ones, the non-chatty ones, the, the tall ones, the short ones, the plump ones, the whole thing, like that's what God created everybody the way he created them. And, yeah, and we don't measure ourselves against other people. We measure ourselves about what, where God kind of leads us. And, um, yeah, I just – because I, rem- I remember that testimony in Adelaide. And I remember you didn't say you were going to go to college, but I remember you were on fire, you know, and I think that's the part – that's the part that God calls. God actually puts that in you. You take something out of you, Jody. take this passion for teaching out of me, and equally as that's happening, he's putting something in you that is um, – you know, that, that actually signs without hesitation um, to love and serve and trust him – Supremely all my days, and this is the best part. And this, you guys will do this. I know this. To care for the poor, feed the hungry, clothe the the naked, love the unlovable, and befriend those who have no friends. And it's going to come in the form of a motorcycle club, and I'm so excited. <laughs> and there'll be other ways, but it, it'll be it'll be good. Um, did you like college? The majority of college, I've really loved. We've had a really special session that we've bonded with incredibly well and they've become our surrogate family because we didn't bring family with us moving into state. College is challenging and there were times I didn't know whether I could make it through, just it, it was intense at different times. But God works on us too while we're here and several people had said to us, if you don't struggle, are you really engaging? And so I look back now and I think about the struggles and I can see that that's actually where so much growth happened in us and not even about our theological understanding or our preaching ability, but in how we understood ourselves, how we understood God. But I guess even more importantly, our relationship with God, it, after each struggle, it seemed like it got stronger and I was able to trust God even more that even though I doubted myself perhaps about whatever, I was learning to trust God. And if God had called me here, I could trust him. Because I don't, I don't think faith and doubt are exclusive of each other. I think they sort of go hand in hand in some respects. Yeah. I think so, that it's even in my doubt of myself, it's faith in God. Yeah. And so part of the covenant there is where it says, in, I think it says, in the strength of my yeah. Lord. And I know that's the only way I, I'm stepping out into ministry. It is in God's strength. Yeah. But that perfectionist of a few years ago would have tried to do it in her own strength. Are you still a perfectionist? No, I'm a recovering a reco- perfectionist. <laughs> is that a fair description? <laughs> I don't know. Let's, let's, yes. let's turn to the judge. <laughs> a perfectionist? There's nothing wrong with wanting to do stuff well. That's, and that's not necessarily perfectionism. That's just doing stuff well. Kevin, will your ruling, please? Uh, yes, perfectionist before she came in. If it wasn't anything higher than the high distinction, she wasn't happy when it came to assignments and coursework. Now Jody's quite happy to settle for... Just get them in. Yeah, just get them in just basically them now. In. <laughs> just get them in. <laughs> she still struggles with the grades that she gets, but she does... Yeah. There has been a big change. Well, what about college for you? Because you're a hands-on guy, right? Yes. You're, you're like me, hands-on. I'd rather be getting dirty and Did a dusty. trade, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then you sit in the classroom, 
all day, you know, yes. observing things and watching things and watching the birds, writing fly emails past. and yes. you know, writing assignments and like that's very different. Um, what was it like for you? For me, it was it was a challenge and a struggle at times. I left school when I was seventeen. Yeah. I'm now fifty. I came into college at forty nine. I'd done no formal education since high school. It's all sort of been hands-on mechanical or experience work, um, what they call it, TAFE style. Yep. No assignment. Vocational training. Vocational, that's the word. Um, yeah, so for me, sitting in a classroom not doing things, I found a great challenge. Yeah. But the um, the placements that we went on and all the outside work, I had yeah. a ball. Where did you do placements? Okay, placements, first core placement was Brunswick in the yep. middle of Melbourne. Yep. Second core placement was Brimbank on the outer suburbs, over west somewhere, I think. <laughs> Third one was Ringwood. Yes. Next door to college here. Yep. They were the core placements. Um, my social placements, I had the Basin Drug and Rehab Centre. Oh, yeah. Um, then I had the courts down at Geelong. They were the Geelong Justice Centre, I think it is. No. Collingwood, Collingwood, Just, yep. Collingwood Justice Centre, very interesting place. Yeah. Um, then I had the Open Door Men's Shelter in the middle of Melbourne. And for my outplacement in Perth, I did the Harry Hunter Rehab for five, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, like the, that's like a smorgasbord of Salvation Army. Yeah, and <laughs> I think I was put there on purpose because that's where I found no, where but like I, I meant you, to work. One minute you're at a, a large core... You're in the neighbourhood justice centre. You're in the courts. You're, um, well, you know that's you, what I'm saying is that you haven't just had like a one-dimensional experience. And I think that's what college does. You get a little poke around over there and poke yeah, around got, different places and learn different things. I've got to see the whole range of you know what you know. Brimbank's very how's the how can I say Brimbank's a very middle class middle class core. Yes, right. thank you. I'm just. Just helping a brother out. Yep. I don't know if that's true. Greenbanks, yeah, very middle class. Um, Ringwoods, yep, comes across as very traditional to me. Then you got Brunswick, which is that's that's a completely different world on itself because yeah. you've got a traditional core. You've got a a midday cafe church, which is sort of the residents of the area that come in, and in the afternoon you got a Farsi congregation, which is mainly oh yeah, with Colin um, Elkington, yes, Major Colin Elkington, yeah, that's an experience. Yeah, I bet it is. So. Next year, you move to WA. Um, kind of, this is all behind you in some respects. What are your hopes? You're going to a core which you've, I'm assuming you've never been to before because it's it's not like you can just pop up there for a weekend before you go. What what, what are you hoping to do? I'm hoping to get to know our people get to know our community. I've never lived in a rural or remote area. So for me, that might take a bit of adjusting. But because I like people, I'm really excited and looking forward to having that opportunity to to learn what community is like. It, it's not a small town, but to me, it's still going to be country. So yeah. I've heard so much about community and even community in Kalgoorlie. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know the community and getting to love them. Yeah. What about you, Gav? Uh, I'm looking forward to getting away from – I'm going to miss Melbourne, but I'm looking forward to getting away from 
the madness of big cities. Yeah. Um, and the same, I just want to get to know the people in the town. And I know there's a big, there probably is a big group of people up there that don't see churches for them. And hopefully I can engage those people that, you know, they can see I'm not normal church and it'll yep. help. Good. All right. Um, just before we finish, um, what is there any Bible verses that you read, any scripture that you read that kind of help you? Yep. What is it? So for me it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Ah, yes. For I know the plans I have for you, plans for good, plans to give you a future, not to harm you. And that's been really important for me to hold on to because I had to let go of control and being in control here at college where our life is ordered by other people. So learning to trust God and trust his promises. He knows the plans he has for us. How about you, Gav? You got a favourite? Or not, I know we don't have favourites, but no, any that, all that have particularly sort of stuck with you over the last couple of years? Nothing particular yeah, verse-wise, yeah. but I've just, I've picked up the thing, what would J do? Yeah, yeah. Not what would Jesus do, what would James do? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus is, is good, but Oh, thanks. So. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> Some people shouldn't speak on these things. Jesus um, is good. Oh. Yeah. That's Jesus what we're going to call cool, this man. podcast. <laughs> Jesus is good. Um, I'm, I like the way James looks at the world. Yeah. You know, he's, he's in your face, he can be in your face, and he's very practical. I know practical. Jesus is practical yeah, as well. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm but, the same. Yeah, Jesus, um, James is sort of the person that I sort of engage or yeah. see Good. my ministry style. Good. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to have a chat with us. Um, for those of you who have got any questions or comments, feel free to leave them on the, on the Facebook page. And just a reminder, you can subscribe to the iTunes account, which is more about officership. And if you subscribe to that, then uh, by the end of each week, a new podcast will pop up. So uh, Lieutenants Jody and Gavin Jones, I want to say thank you. And uh, we really look forward to see what God does through your ministry uh, at Kalgoorlie. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for more about Officership. You can join the conversation at facebook.com forward slash SA Candidates Australia. If you want to explore Officership further, please speak to your local core officer or candidate secretary. The Salvation Army needs more leaders. Is God asking for more of you?